the best indicator for self-awareness, so at least what I have found and observed and works for me, it's really understanding when to say no and when to say yes and, and being able to emotionally regulate right throughout the day. So it's like, you know, when, when you, when you wake up, okay, how am I feeling? Did I get a good night's sleep? It all starts with that sleep routine, right? So then you wake up in the morning, you have your, your things you do as an executive, as a, an active duty military member, as a parent, you know, we wear all these hats. We have all these roles in life. And it's really knowing, okay, does that align with my value system? And am I getting in the self-care I need for today? Am I working out? Am I getting in nature? Am I doing things that align with my values and my mindset? You know, that could be like, is it growth oriented? Is it aligned? And does it look like that? Hey there, friends. Welcome to Happiness Squad. This is the podcast dedicated to helping you unlock your full potential by mastering the art and science of happiness. We bring on the best leading experts on these topics to help you unlock your true potential and live with more joy, health, love, and meaning in your life. Your host is no other than the star combo of Ashish Katari and Anil Ramjiani, who are both on a mission to provide you with an unfair advantage to be the masters of your experience and leaders in your industry. Get ready to be moved, challenged, and enlightened on this podcast. It may change your life. Thanks for being here and joining the squad. Hey, Happiness Squad. Welcome back. Ashish and I are excited to be with you. I'm incredibly grateful for our armed service members. And I've wondered, how do they embrace practices that strengthen both their mind and body? It's incredibly important how they look after their own well-being, as well as how they flourish knowing the amount of stress, anxiety they face as they risk their lives for our country. There are many parallels that those of us in the corporate and professional sector who give their lives for their company can benefit by exploring this. This key practice is our own self-awareness, a vital indicator that plays a critical role as we monitor ourselves throughout our day. Ashis and I had the great fortune to discuss this in further detail with our next guest, Captain Suzanne Lesko part of an elite group of women, the 1% of the 1% to rise to the rank of captain in the U.S. Navy. She's now retired and on a mission to be a catalyst for human progress. When she introduced herself, she told me she goes by Zena, the warrior advisor. And I loved it because it encapsulates her approach to leadership and building high-performance teams. Suzanne is a proven tri-sector leader with over 26 years of experience in the defense and national security industries. She's a combat veteran and a USNA graduate who now wants to teach leaders the mastery of optimal performance to help them perform with grace and ease in high-pressure situations. She's a practitioner in transformational leadership and serves as a resiliency advisor for global leaders. As we spoke today, Suzanne truly spoke from the heart and drew upon her own practice of self-awareness to live a healthier, more meaningful life. She stressed the importance of leading by example. And when we discussed how organizations can take advantage of their people, we highlighted how they lose sight of people rather than bringing light to people. Wait till you hear the stats that Ashi shared with us when a company focuses on its people versus those that do not. So much resonated with me in this conversation. But I have to say the highlight was when Suzanne and Ashish agreed that meaning is where the money is. 
How is that, you ask? Well, stay tuned till the end to find out. So let's get started. Please join Ashish and I as we welcome Suzanne to the Happiness Squad. Hey, Ashish. Hey, Suzanne. How are you guys? Doing well. How are you, Anil? Doing great. And we are on live with Xena, Warrior Advisor. I love that. That is just the coolest uh, title. Xena 2.0. Is that right? That's correct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we are we are so we are so so excited, uh, yeah, Suzanne, to have you, and and share you know your wisdom, share all your rich experience from all your time you know in service and now, because this topic of happiness and flourishing is so critical, you know, in in uh, being able to unlock our best self, and uh, who needs this you know so much more right than our service men and women. Uh, our veterans. So I'd love to just kick the conversation off with, you know, a question we always ask our guests, which is, what does happiness mean to you? Well, Ashish, first off to say, I'm just so grateful and honored to be here and Anil as well. It's just so great to talk about these things, and especially uh, within the veteran community and uh, having recently retired from the Navy after 26 plus years of service. It's exciting to be on this 2.0 chapter. And when I look back at like, what does happiness mean to me? To me, it's really about being grateful for the small things and having a real deep appreciation for all of life, including all the valleys and peaks. Because it's not like you just drink happiness juice and you'll be happy. Like there is, you know, mechanisms in place and different things you can do to to create that happiness in your life. And I think it's also about living your best life, doing the things you love with the people you love. And that includes things like your work, your family, um, travel, whatever, you know, whatever lights you up. And um, I'll have to say too, I have an amazing golden retriever named Captain Morgan, and he's pretty cool. And he just seeing him be in joy and happiness all the time. I can't help but be happy when I see them. I love that. I love that. And it is so subjective, you know, but like there's certain things that are just so universal about these elements. It's very, very subjective. You know, you talk about happiness as subjective well-being, but this notion of, you know, connecting with others, you know, nature, it's so, so important. I think I love, like we have a dog, Miss Puggles. And yeah, I mean, I walk into the room and it, you just light up, you know? Yeah, absolutely. This is, this is maybe, maybe too much of a share, but my, uh, my wife actually does say my spirit animal is a golden retriever. So, you know, That's take that awesome. for what you will. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it's, uh, we, we've uh, come to play as we're together. People see us and they're like, oh, is that your sidekick? I'm like, yeah, it's my sidekick, you know, Captain Morgan. So, and he's just, you know, he, everyone wants to take his picture and they're like, he's just so sweet. And, um, and he shows the ultimate unconditional love, really. It's uh, animals. I think those animals actually got us through a lot of the pandemic too. So um, a lot of people have, have pets now. Yes. And hopefully are keeping them. Hopefully yes. are keeping them, right? Absolutely. Keeping them and uh, yeah. So Suzanne, just reflecting on, you know, your journey, right? As a combat veteran and, you know, part of this elite group of women, you know, as you talk about the 1% of the 1% club who rose to the rank of captain in the U.S. Navy. I mean, it's amazing. Um, 
what were some of the practices, you know, that have allowed you to really flourish, uh, that have allowed you to really unlock your full potential? Um, such a great question, Ashish. And, you know, I look back at my career and, and as we all start off, right, whether we're in industry and corporate or we are doing uh, nonprofit work or we're in the military. I think when you join and you go out and say, yeah, I'm going to, you know, I'm taking my oath We're we're going out there. I start, you know, flight school or I'm going to surface warfare school or I'm, I'm going to Quantico for the Marines. You know, there's that buildup of four years, especially for folks like myself who went to the service academies. And, uh, you know, like I went to the Naval Academy. Um, I have a lot of, you know, a lot of my friends are in the whole service academy uh, tribe of West Point and Air Force. And we have a lot of, you know, fun together, especially because the Army Navy game um, is a big part of that um, and rivalry. But but at the end of the day, that sportsmanship, I think, got me through those initial years because we, you know, 20 years ago, we weren't really into all this meditation, mental well-being. Um, it was like, suck it up, do it, you know, you know, it's gritty. And yeah, you have moments like that, right? Where you have to get through the the element of combat, or the element of, you know, leading teams in very high risk, diverse, asymmetrical environments. And I think what really got me through is uh, physical fitness and nutrition, meditation later on, also having great mentors, not something that just came about when when we graduated from the academy, but it was just something that I searched. I was always a seeker. And, and so I would always meet incredible people on my tours or outside of that in different adventures I did. And they would give me some insights, you know, and I was like, okay, I'm going to apply that, make an iteration, go to the next thing, go to the next thing. And so it was that iterative process and then what really was a salient point in my career, I was working um, with U.S. Special Operations and I was just tired. I was burned out. It was just a lot. It, it's you're, you're at the tip of the spear all the time. There is no off button, really. And you, it's addicting, right? You get used to it. You're like, yeah, this is awesome. And it was. And I, I have so many dear friends and teammates um, from that period that are in my life now. We're all doing great things. And um, I got introduced to Transcendental Meditation, actually, through a friend of mine I met in Baghdad. And it was during one of the continuing resolutions, meaning like they shut down the government. And it's always around September, October, usually. And they shut down the government. And they're like, okay, you know, when we get funding again, go back. So there were some days, like, if you weren't mission critical, you didn't have to be, you know, set in place. For duty. So uh, a friend of mine from Baghdad uh, was at uh, in New York City, and um, she was working with the Transcendental Meditation Center. And she said, Suzanne, let's get you in. They're doing one this weekend, you know? And so I got in and it was wonderful. It really set me to know how to calibrate my nervous system. And then doing a lot of uh, yoga, walks on the beach, grounding. And that kind of set the tone for you know, something that was a, a great practice that I could do every day. So I would say that meditation, and then most recently has been not only meditation, but 
uh, sleep hygiene and psychological hygiene, I think is a new term that I'm, I'm using in this veteran renaissance that we're leading, right, of new ways to show up in the world and, and have these systems in place so that we can be our best selves, you know, and, and reach out to people and, and monitor that. And I have my aura ring. Um, I love it. It really helps monitor, you know, how much deep sleep I get, how much, um, uh, regular sleep I get, um, how much REM. And you can really tell if you don't have a good night's sleep, you're off the next day. It's like a ripple effect. Absolutely. And, you know, so many, just to recap, right, for our listeners, so many things packed in that response of yours, right? One, you know, this notion of mind and body connection, you know, all the practices that you mentioned around our body, nutrition, exercise, walking, yoga, right? To make sure our physically we are at our best. But also, I think I love what you said, you know, 20 years ago, this notion of mindfulness and mental, it was very physical oriented and obviously, you know, very service, but everybody's very service oriented. There's a bigger mission, right? And a purpose. But this notion of what you built into your practice over the years, mindfulness, Sleep hygiene, I love mental and psychological hygiene, right? The words that you actually talked about, and then we should get into what are some of the elements of that. But yeah, I mean, it's a little bit like, you know, we, we, we every day, you know, we wash, we shower, we clean our bodies, we brush our teeth, right? To kind of clean our, clean again, our breath and our teeth. But this notion of what is the habits, what are the routines by which we are actually focusing on our mental hygiene. How are we keeping our minds as sharp and clean and bright um, as our bodies? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, what I'm really curious about that, Suzanne, if you, or sorry, <laughs> um, what, I'm, what I'm curious about is when, when I think about like our armed forces and everything that, that, that you and they do on the day-to-day, whether it be training or in the field, maybe can you just help me understand how do you maybe advise them or say to them, hey, look, you know, to be able to meditate, to be able to look after yourself, granted, they're not in circumstances that allow for that. How do you encourage them or how do you advise them on how they can embrace some of these habits um, in, in their own day? Well, I think uh, two parts, Anil. Uh, first part is knowing your people, understanding um, them, seeing them on a day-to-day basis and knowing like if they're off one day, like you can tell, you're like, is everything okay? You know, everything going on well at home? You know, is there any issues you're running into? you get good sleep last night? Cause you can just tell like, you know, when you're with people, how, how their uh, modus operandi is. And then secondly, I think it's just being the example, you know, I live, breathe, sleep, hygiene, <laughs> um, psychological hygiene, mental wellness. I'm a big advocate of veg, uh, adventure therapy with other veterans. It's, it's one of my most joyful, fun times. And I also do a lot of artwork. I teach art classes in brave intuitive art which actually I learned in and did some of that in Denver earlier this year. And um, yeah, it's just, it's amazing, you know? And so it's really knowing your people, seeing them. And then through conversation, it's always like, you know, with my Navy SEAL tribe, they're like, Hey, did you try this supplement out or what supplement worked here? Or, you know, what are you seeing as results? So you're always looking at what is going to get you the most optimal result for where you are and longevity, really, because a lot of people retire and they're like, eh, I retired now. What's next? You know? And for me, I'm like, I'm creating a whole new 2.0 and this is an exciting adventure. Do you want to come join me? You know? 
the happiness squad is, you know, on a roll here. So I think, you know, going back to that and you know, just looking, watching your people and then without, without a, a missing a beat, all of them come up to me, ma'am, what are you doing for this? Can you tell me about your food routine? Can you tell me about your skincare routine? I mean, it's just, the list goes on and we go through all that. And, uh, yeah, just like, you know, give them, Hey, this is what I found, you know, works well for, you know, great sleep. Or did you get your aura ring or did you get outside today and breathe some fresh air? When we were doing heavy, intense work at us central command, I used to like take a break. Let's do push-ups in between in the office, you know, if we're on a major mission or have to monitor that, you know, aromatherapy, you know, anything to kind of shift the environment to calm the nervous system down. Cause we don't realize how much our sympathetic nervous system is really just tapped out, right? We got to, we got to get back to reality, gentlemen. And part of that is these practices so that we can be our best selves. And, in, in, and with that is being in a parasympathetic state. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. So we've done these studies where, you know, it's even executives, right? And most people don't even realize it. And this is, uh, this is at the heart of, uh, of my book, right? Where we say we've become hardwired for fear. We are in such a high state of continuous sympathetic activation, right? We are activated. We're running on adrenaline and cortisol. That that's what our brains have actually gotten used to. And that's what, and, and we don't even realize how bad decisions we're making and what we're doing to our bodies, right? So when we did this with, and people are like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, yeah, but this is, I like it. Like this notion of, I like it. And then you show the science behind how important parasympathetic nervous systems are for digesting, for resting, for recuperation, for healing. And then, you know, you say, oh my God, I didn't realize it. And for better decision-making. And then you say, okay, so let's look at how you operate. And, you know, we have these HRV monitor studies that we can do. So you put that on and you say, just keep it for like two days. And they realize that 80% of their time, right? They're like in this crazy elevated state. The heart rate variability is like almost nothing, like, right? There is no coping built in. And, and it finally clicks for people to say, this is the reason you're stressed out. This is the reason you're getting burning out. It's not that stress is bad. It's just you have no coping, right? Fire to fire. So no, it's so, I think it's amazing that you mention it. And I wonder if it's the same thing that happens, frankly, um, you know, when people transition, right? From active duty to, um, to you know, civilian life, or even when you come back from missions, I wonder how much of this is the brain is always looking to actually go back to what it's used to. And we're looking to create that in our lives. It's true. You get hyper alert and hyper vigilant in these types of high risk and combat environments. And um, there's actually been studies like some people actually miss that, right? Because everything's taken care of and you know exactly what your mission is for the day. Then you come home to the homeland or wherever you go. And it's setting up those systems in place to build that routine and, and that normal state and then to calm, to actually be very uh, proactive and uh, intentional about calming down your nervous system and the practices you need to have in place to get to that homeostasis. Are you enjoying the show so far? Let me ask you a few questions before going back. Have you ever wondered why so many of us struggle with stress, anxiety, and burnout and feel stuck in life? Heck, 
Maybe you're going through this right now. Well, the reason for this lies in the evolutionary biology of our brains, which are hardwired for fear. It's part of the reason why our team named this podcast Happiness Squad. It serves as a reminder that happiness is what really matters and that we are in this together. And that is why we are so excited to share with you a resource to help you on your journey. One of our hosts, Ashish Katari, launched a book, Hardwired for Happiness, and it is a number one Amazon bestseller. When you get access to this book, you will discover nine secular practices that can change your life and are backed by scientific evidence from psychology and neuroscience. Learn how you can integrate hardwired for happiness practices in every part of your life to unlock your best self regardless of how busy you are. Shift from knowing to doing to being with a range of journaling, meditation, and group coaching exercises, and so much more. Go to www.happinesssquad.com forward slash book to get access right now. We also have bonuses on the page that you don't want to miss. Once again, www.happinesssquad.com forward slash book. And now, back to the show. Talk to us a little bit about, you know, so to know that I'm triggered, to know that that I am, that I know is self-awareness. Um, so talk to us a little bit about how you built your self-awareness muscle and what advice would you have for listeners, you know, veterans, but also, you know, executives and others in professional organizations. How can we become more self-aware of just the state that we are so change becomes possible? Oh, absolutely. So with that being said, Ashish, I think the best indicator for self-awareness, at least what I have found and observed and works for me, it's really understanding when to say no and when to say yes and, and being able to emotionally regulate right throughout the day. So it's like, you know, when, when you, when you wake up, okay, how am I feeling today? Good, good night's sleep. It all starts with that sleep routine, right? So then you wake up in the morning, you have your, your things you do as an executive, as a, an active duty military member, as a parent, you know, we wear all these hats. We have all these roles in life. And it's really knowing, okay, does that align with my value system? And am I getting in the self-care I need for today? Am I working out? Am I getting in nature? Am I doing things that align with my values and my mindset? You know, and that could be like, is it growth oriented? Is it aligned? And does it look like that? And then being able to set really strong boundaries around it. Otherwise, other person's agendas will always be yours. So you won't be able to say no or yes because you overcommitted, right? One of my one of my MOs is I want to always underpromise and overdeliver, right? If I can't do something, I'm not going to say, ah, you know, or like, you know, in LA where they say, let's do lunch. No, it's like, it's really about being intentional about your day and setting great boundaries, emotionally regulating, and then having a great kind of um, inner circle that knows you very well and has seen you under duress and at your worst and can say, you know, am I thinking this right? Does this, does this resonate? And am I being too hard on myself? Or, you know, is it self-sabotage? Or like, how is that showing up in the world? Um, and how's it showing up in my life? And then through that, you become more iterative and you become more self-aware. You're talking about this fundamentally being able to get to the balcony, right? Like constantly being able to see yourself from the balcony when you're on the dance floor, which most of us don't do. We just keep dancing. Right. 
You were going to share something, Anil? No, no. I mean, I, I agree with you. I mean, these are things that um, I think people struggle with. I think exactly to your point, Ashish, people want to keep dancing. They don't want to step off the dance floor, go get a bit of a helicopter view and, and, and really see where they're at. I mean, I know that we've got our devices like the Aura device. I've got the Whoop. It makes you wonder, like, why can't we just kind of just pause, take a moment and, and, and almost just assess how we're feeling? whether we are getting the good sleep, whether we are actually setting those boundaries, whether we really are being intentional. I, I almost kind of maybe challenge our, our, our listeners out there to say, hey, how often do you take that moment to pause, be clear about your intentions, set those boundaries and, and, and be comfortable stepping off the dance floor? Because um, I think, you know, and I think we're going to talk about here shortly about organizations. I don't think people really feel supported to... Uh, to, to take that pause, to take that time, let alone in the armed forces, maybe Absolutely. in the world. Yeah. And it's this notion of check-in, right, Daniel? What you're talking about is this notion of checking in, creating the space. And it can be so simple, right? As, you know, what if, uh, you know, so what if people did just this, right? Every two hours, let's just take a minute, close our eyes, feel our feet and just take six breaths and just check in. I love this notion of you wake up and say, did I sleep well today? How am I feeling? You know, what is my state of nourishment and well-being? Because it's from that. And hence, what do I need most right now? Totally agree. It's like when you're driving, you'll constantly look at your fuel gauge. You know, how much, how much petrol do I have, right? You're going to keep looking over and glancing over. We never take that moment to kind of glance in kind of inside and go, okay, wait, how am I feeling? And you know, Ashish, this is something that you and I have spoken about. I, when I meditate, I find that the days I meditate are better when I'm actually taking that moment to pause because I feel like when I'm meditating, that's the only time I'm, I'm taking to pause. I'm actually not, I'm, I'm going to be thinking about things and not having that moment to be in the present where days when I do take that minute to minute breath and reconnect, I find those are far better meditation sessions because I feel I'm able to be in the moment, be in the present and not like I have to chase my brain or, or pull my brain from, you know, tell it to slow down. Absolutely. <laughs> or you might get a speeding ticket. Or no. <laughs> Man, I tell you, if, if that were the case, I would have lost my license by now and, uh, and more, I'd, I'd be, I'd be doing community service. I think, you know, just to kind of maybe find those parallels between, you know, the armed forces and what you've done, I think, what would you say are some of the, the biggest elements and organizations that you feel have, have actually led to more stress and anxiety? Because I, in my mind, I think, okay, you know, what, what, what armed forces feel when they go in the field versus what I'm experiencing when I go into an, an office room or a meeting room, you know, what do you find are some of the parallels between the two that maybe our listeners can maybe take comfort in or, or challenge their thinking on? I think a great way to challenge your thinking, you know, I know Ashish, you share this a lot. We're so, we're so technology connected more than ever, right. In the history of mankind, and we have this technology overload and yet we're so disconnected, right? We're like OS 10 models in a, in a modern world. And I think what happens is the focus so much is on profit and shareholders and all this that they forget about the person, the 360 of that whole person concept. Again, what I talked about earlier, checking in on your people, you know, we, through this pandemic, we're all virtual and, and, um, and uh, work remotely or, or we come together and that's good. You know, it has its pros and cons, just like everything. But at the end of the day, you got to know your people. You got to see, oh, are they doing okay? And I think when we get so wrapped around the axle on that, it, we lose sight of 
what just happened? Did I just go through five years and I missed like my child's, uh, you know, walking or, you know, other things that happen. And, um, it, and it does relate to other things like oxidative stress and things on your body. You know, you'll have ailments, things will start bothering you because of things that are on your mind or even subconsciously, you have no idea it, that it's really affecting you. And it's the way our, our, our world is structured, you know, in the sense of, capitalism and in how we do things. And it's just the way it is sometimes, right? So how do we work around that? How do we, how do we bring light sometimes to these places that, you know, can be stressful or maybe don't have the mechanisms in place to know, okay, I just need to reset here, regroup, and let's uh, reframe and then go the next direction and pivot. We miss the person, right? We miss the person. It's so true, right? I think we get so anchored with trying to go after profits, revenue, customers, that we miss the person because it's the individuals that are, are key to achieving all of that. Yeah, as leaders, we just can't. You know, in fact, we did this. I looked at this research, uh, Suzanne, right, around flourishing and the difference between, you know, people also think about this as either or, right? Like it's performance or health. And, you know, we did this research and I looked at the research done at Oxford and Warwick uh, and what I found was those organizations that invest in flourishing, right? They, are, they show up as more engaged workplaces. They show up as places, top employers to work for. The data is so clear. They have 2x higher stock market returns, almost 20% more profitability and productivity. They have 65%. Can you believe it? Like 60, you know, much, much lower percentage attrition. How crazy is that, right? And, and, and they just do so much better, like much higher engagement, 65% more creativity, amazing results when people invest in flourishing. But we just don't, like we just think about like, no, let's just drive performance. And I think we're at this stage now where I don't think it is actually possible in the next couple of years because people have grit their teeth, grit their teeth through the last two, three years People just don't have more to give. And that's why stress and anxiety burnout are so high. We've got to do it. And, you know, I grew up, uh, you know, Suzanne, for like 10, 20 years in a heavy, you know, like I did, I served a lot of clients that were into manufacturing. They had manufacturing assets and it blows my mind. Like it literally blows my mind. Imagine if you were a plant manager, right? Or like you have, you know, by the way, it's the same in, uh, same with, you know, heavy equipment in, uh, in, uh, in the forces, right? If you've invested millions of dollars into an equipment, nobody would be okay accepting it's at operating at 40% efficiency because you haven't maintained it. You haven't kind of kept up with it, right? You haven't invested in it. You just bought it and you're just going to keep using it. But somehow when we think about our people, you know, we pay them a salary and we think hence that's the reason for them to be able to get their best output. And you have people who are stressed out and anxious they're only giving 30, 40, 50% because that's what they can because they're not in a place, right, from a well-being point of view. But we don't, with the same urgency, actually focus on investing in them. Ashish, Suzanne, just on that, with the, given your, both your backgrounds, right, Ashish, you and McKenzie, and experiencing that with, with professionals that you used to deal with, Suzanne, yourself, both in you know, the military, but also in your own professional, personal life, how do, you, how do, you, how do we break that? Like, how do we get people to acknowledge and recognize the value of people versus the, the 
overweighted importance on profit? Like what, what do we do? Like how do we kind of snap people out of that? Well, I think like I shared, Anil, it's leading by example. You know, if you're the leader of the organization, it's showing that it's doing it. All the high performance teams I've worked with at organizations, the leaders are out there working out, you know, they're doing their green drinks or whatever they do for their nutrition. And they're big on sleep, you know, they're big on getting your rest, like be rest. And it's not like a bad thing. Oh my gosh, I rested. I took a nap for 20 minutes, you know, whatever it takes to be the best version of yourself and leading an organization like that, I think is really where, where the money hits the road, right? Because it's not P&L, profit and loss, it's, it's people, right? People and love. So I think when you have those forces together, then anything's possible. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, and also I think the big one for me, Suzanne, I think you'll relate to this because it's tied to, you know, some conversations we were having. It's also, I think one of the biggest things that I, when I actually compare, right, all of our servicemen and women, you know, who are actually, there is a very clear meaning, purpose, mission that allows them to get through so much, right? It's, it's I'm, I'm willing to take the bullet for my country. I know what this is for. It's defending something. It's meaning for something, right? And when I think about, and so it's very, very clear, right? That's a big part of it. You know, when I think about the same, which allows them to be, you know, get through so much. And when I think about the corporate world, you know, 30% data from Gallup, 30% of people are engaged. For most people, they don't find meaning in what they're doing. And so it just becomes incredibly hard, right? So in addition to well-being practices, you know, around mind and body, I think this, this, this reason why I'm showing up, I'm going to engage and I'm going to deal with all the complexities and the operating environment has gotten incredibly complex and there's a lot that needs to get done. I think there is a real value in helping take leaders who can help find meaning, help connect meaning for what we are asking our teams to do with their day-to-day. Absolutely. I think meaning is where the money is, right? It's, and it goes back to, uh, Shish, to your, um, to your book where you talk about the hero's journey and Joseph Campbell and, um, for leaders to understand their own journey. I, I've been on multiple hero's journeys <laughs> and it's like, okay, the departure, right? Like the hero leaves their familiar world behind. And that could be, you know, going off to college or going to boot camp or, you know, starting a internship. And then it's like the initiation where that hero learns to navigate this unfamiliar world. You don't know what you're going to encounter. Right. And then at the end, it's like full circle, the return where they, they come back to their familiar world of taking all those things and lessons learned. And then, you know, bring, being able to pay it forward for others through those lessons. But a lot of times people get stuck in that cycle or it's fear that leads them that they're not willing to try new things. And I've gleaned a lot of insights just from global experiences and travel because you learn other cultures and you're not in your own little bubble and you kind of see how people interact and what they do. And, and at the end of the day, they all want to be joyful and happy. I love what he said. Meaning is where the money is. I think I need to like, I need to like capture that. Right. Maybe that could be your tagline. (laughs) Yeah. Meaning is where the money is. But you know, it is so true. I think one of the things we've just got to break is the dichotomy, right? Like, you know, I talk about this in my books as I write wealth, health, love, meaning this dashboard. And we've just got to stop like differentiating, you know, even wealth and meaning, right? W and M, they're like upside down. But oftentimes, you know, people think about 
accumulating wealth. And if whether it has meaning or not, it doesn't matter. I'm going to accumulate wealth and find meaning outside my work. And I'm like, why? And then there are others who said, I'm going to pursue meaning. And they're also miserable because they're, they're, they're like not earning enough money to kind of provide the day-to-day that they want to for their families and themselves. And, you know, I always encourage people to say, look, why think about wealth and meaning? What about you want to actually create wealth through meaning? Absolutely. Pursue something that you are deeply passionate and called to do. Because you know what? There are so many people in the world right now. There's so many crises that with conscious capitalism, we can solve. So let's dedicate our life towards solving something. And oh, by the way, as we make money through that, the enterprise makes money through that. It allows us to continue invest to scale. Absolutely. You know, I, I- I just on that, Ashish I, and Susan, I, I know a couple of people who are in transition and have got new roles, right? And uh, each of them have said, I'm like, oh, so, you know, what, what's the package? Like, oh, package is great. Salary is great. I got equity in the business. And, you know, and, and I ask them, like, what about wellness? You know, where's the investment in wellness? Like, are you get time off? Do you get, um, do you get, you know, investment to do, you know, courses, self-development courses? And to be honest with you, they, they kind of look at me with a blank stare and it, it, it blows my mind because you think about exactly what you just said, Ashish, like, to actually, you know, find, you know, you know, the meaning is where the money is. It's like, you know, you won't be able to spend the money if you're unwell, if you're unhealthy, if you're stressed, if you're burnt out. Like it's, it's almost like the two go together. You can't separate them and think it's mutually exclusive. Yeah, they're inextric- inextricably linked. Completely. But yet mentally we find back to fear, like I need to make sure I put food on the table and roof overhead. And therefore I need enough money to cover me for that, for my kids, for education. But you know, your health and your well-being is equally as important. Otherwise, you're not going to be around to actually enjoy Absolutely. and experience the true meaning of life or of your life. Um, I, I just want to ask you then, Suzanne, just on the back of that, like, were there any practices from Hardwired for Happiness that jumped out to you um, that could make a difference both for you, for our listeners, um, from when you were in the service to where you are as a veteran now? Yeah, I think um, Ashish does a great job, you know, showing the disciplines. And then it's like the lotus uh, flower of the various areas. But I think the biggest thing is uh, gratitude and meditation and mindfulness. And, you know, every day it's what am I grateful for? It pulls me into that very compassionate, um, grateful state. And I handle things better as they come my way. And stay, instead of saying, I can't believe this just happened, I say, what is, what is the lesson I'm supposed to learn from this that just happened? And it's teaching me composure or, you know, I'm not my emotions. I'm just looking at them, whether, you know, you get angry or whatever emotion comes up, anxiety, you know, anger could be another. And it's being able to really take a step back, breathe and reassess it. And doing those micro micro check-ins, uh, micro rituals, uh, Ashish, like you shared every two hours. Where am I? How am I feeling? What do I need to do to to raise my 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 energy right now? A self awareness break, a self compassion break. Just just checking in, right? How are things going? Mm-hmm. Don't be on autopilot. Just like. <laughs> At the end of the day, I'm going to like, oh, I'm tired. Like, no, you were tired eight hours before, buddy. Like, you just did, like, you just pushed through, you know? You just pushed through. Right. So, you know, as we bring uh, to wrap this uh, podcast, uh, this amazing conversation, there's so many nuggets you've shared here. Um, I'm going to ask you for three more. So if, if looking where you are now, right, what advice, tips, 
top three tips that you would have, what advice you would have for your younger self? I would say for my younger self, like right when I was entering the service, I would just say, be gentle, like be gentle. You don't have to go, you know, so, so, uh, fast and, and speed and strong all the time, like be gentle, you know, reassess yourself, goes back to self-awareness. I would also say number two, don't sweat the small stuff because at the end of the day, Ashish and Anil, it's really small stuff, right? What really matters is the, the people we're with and the, our loved ones, um, whether they're, whether they're family or family, right. But it's the people we love and spending time with them. Um, because all we really are in life is the dash, right? We're the dash. We, we know two things in life. We're going to pay taxes and we're going to die. <laughs> so it's like, don't sweat the small stuff. Cause we are just that little dash. Um, and then, and lastly, I would say be fully self-expressed. I know a lot of times in the military and other environments, you feel, oh, I can't be as, you know, uh, a feminine, you know, we have to wear our hair a certain way or wear this uniform. And it's so wonderful to see now. It makes my heart happy to see so many women in service being who they are and, and um, being able to be fully self-expressed and, you know, whatever, you know, whether they're into art or they're stylish or, you know, whatever it is that they can just be themselves and be self-expressed and not be suppressed. Beautiful. Uh, Beautiful. Be self-expressed. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It ties into, you know, it truly also, by the way, it ties into one of the top five regrets of the dying, right? This book uh, written by Bronnie Ware, you know, which was, you know, one of the big regrets was I wish I had the courage to express my feelings. I had the courage to live a life true to myself. Yeah, absolutely. Not what others expect of me, right? Like, don't try and fit in. Just lean into the fact that you belong. Yeah, at the end of the day, your life is not up for committee vote, right? No. <laughs> well, people need to be reminded that. Self-included. Yeah. Um, yep. It's like, you don't need a pity party. You don't need people to like, you know, you know, rally on you with negative. You need that cheerleader. You need those be your own and, and be cheerleader to others. I really love what you just said there though. Ashish, like live a life true to yourself. That is incredibly powerful. Yeah. Don't fit. Don't try and fit in. Right. That always leads to like, we think, you know, but that's how we are wired. That's how we're wired. We're wired for social connection because in you know, 20,000 years ago, if I lost connection with my group, I didn't survive. Right. And we still keep looking for that. But unfortunately, I think the balance tips to we forget our self-worth and focus too much on trying to get approval and fit in with others, right? And, and create our own suffering because nobody likes to live a long, coherent life. Look, this was incredibly helpful, Suzanne. I was so blessed, so blessed uh, to have Likewise. you. Likewise. And uh, yeah, wish you, wish you, wish you the best for the holidays. Hope you're doing something fun to recharge. I know you will be doing a lot uh, to help others. So like, um, <laughs> thank you. Have an amazing holidays. You as well. And as we end, just from my side, just again, thank you, Suzanne, for everything you shared, for everything you and our service members do for our country. It's, it's just amazing. And um, again, I just think it's really important for folks to know that you guys do a lot. And the fact that you shared with us today that, that switch. I think I'm hoping others in your peer group and others that have listened um, can follow in the same path. So thank you. Thank you so much. I'm very grateful. Take care. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed the episode today on the Happiness Squad podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on your chosen platform that you listen to us on. If this episode made you think of someone, take a screenshot and share this podcast episode with them. 
go to www.happinesssquad.com where you can catch the show notes for this episode and learn more about us and the community we are building. The community is where we gather weekly to practice and connect with other learners, teachers, and practitioners working together to unlock our best selves. Lastly, follow along on Instagram at myhappinesssquad for tons of behind the scenes as well as short videos designed just for you. It's where we hang out in between episodes. Once again, www.happinessquad.com. All links can be found in the description below. Until next time.